Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair Media and our good buddies at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, the number one online sports book in the United States, and that means whether you like betting baseball, football, NFL, or NHL, college football, hockey, college basketball, boxing, whatever it is, MyBookie has you covered, not just with all the sports, but if you like to bet prop bets, something along the lines of who's going to get... Who's going to fall out of the boat for the NFL draft? My bookie is going to have something like that for you as well. They make everything nice and easy right there for you to find. All the numbers are, are right there, easily accessible. If you do have a question, their customer service is fantastic. And my bookie knows that it's all about having fun. It's all about keeping you coming back. It's all about incentivizing you to go visit them. You don't want to just go to the sports books at the at the Bellagio and deal with all those sharks. No, you want to go to mybookie.ag, where if you use our promo code BRAVES25, or our promo code armchair, promo code armchair, not Braves25, they're going to give you a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000. Now, you got to kick in 1000 which I don't know. I don't know your financial situation, but for me, 1000 bucks is a lot of money. But if you want to throw in 100 bucks, they'll give you an extra 100 That doubles the amount of time you can play. That doubles the wager you can make. MyBookie.ag, here to make sure that you have a great time. MyBookie, play, win, and have a great time. Okay, so is there any doubt, Doc, what you and I are going to talk about to start the show? I mean, <clears throat> I'm pretty pumped about this Adani Hetchevaria signing, but I, it just feels like there's something else. It feels like this time last week with Josh Berry, we were talking about how the Braves don't have a cleanup hitter, and well, here we are today, Wednesday the 22nd, and... uh I think we can say comfortably that they've solved that. The Braves signed Marcelo Zuna to a one-year, $18 million deal. And uh, you guys need to find you somebody that loves you as much as Alex loves a one-year deal. Uh, I I am kind of floored, actually, that it only took one in 18, which is only $100,000 more than the qualifying offer that he turned down from St. Louis. Uh, this is something that the Braves needed to do, something Alex had to do to offset losing Donaldson to the Twins. And I think he hit a home run. I could not believe it either. Not so much from the Braves' perspective, because you know this this idea of of the one year deal, like with uh, like with Hamels, like with Donaldson, short commitment, big annual value, and for a guy like Ozuna, I mean, it looked like he was going to wind up getting three years and fifty million dollars or more, or something like that, based on the way that the free agent market has gone this year, and I just. It's like the Yasmani Grandal deal, you know? It, this is somebody that bet on himself. 
and has the opportunity to really cash in on it next season to work with Josh Donaldson. This is a great environment for Ozuna. Um, I I think he's going to be pretty hungry this year. I think that the Braves lineup just got a whole lot better. Say what you will about the protection for Freddie Freeman or whatever. It's just nice to have more good hitters than you had the day before. So, And I love Marcelo Zuna. He's just a big, goofy dude. So I think he'll fit right in. And you bring up the point about you know he's trying to reestablish some value. Uh, as of 2017, Marcelo Zuna looked like he was primed to be the next big superstar outfielder. He was a guy that played great defense, uh, was coming off 37 homers, like 120 ribbies as well. Uh playing all over the outfield in that stacked Marlins outfield with Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich alongside him. Then he went to St. Louis and things kind of just fell apart. I mean, he spent both years injured. He had in 2018, he had the shoulder injury. And then last season, just as he was kind of getting back from the shoulder and starting to figure some, some things out, all of a sudden he breaks his finger uh, diving back into first base, I believe. And missed a lot of time with that. Really didn't start cooking again until the very end of the season, into the playoffs, where, unfortunately, Braves fans, we got to see what happens when Marcelo Zuna gets hot as he went 9 of 21 for like a 423 batting average against uh, with what felt like 23 homers. Uh, but I believe it was, what, three homers and another couple doubles where he just absolutely torched the Braves. And that's a good that's a good look at what you get when Marcelo Zuna's healthy. And he, he's not a perfect player, and I think that <clears throat> a lot of people were, were hoping that the Braves were going to go out and just find somebody that was the perfect fit. And whether it's age or years of contract or annual value, I mean, everybody's going to kind of have their warts. So <clears throat> guy like Ozuna, he does you a big favor by becoming your everyday left fielder, and it re- this really strengthens the bench as well. I think that uh, being able to have Ozuna and Acuna – in the outfield every single day, and then like the rotating cast of Ender and Marquecas and Duvall. I mean, that's five major league starting caliber outfielders. It's not like last year when you had Rafael Ortega in there. So no disrespect to to my uh, to my king with the braces, but uh, th- this is like when you look at the Dodgers. You know they they are stacked at every position with starters, and and it's not quite as robust. But what the Braves have built now is like really really special. They're they're a much more deep team, and th- this this move is. It works for a number of different reasons for me. It really does. When you talk about the Marcelo Zuna signing, it, it did fix a lot of other potential issues as well. As far as just not not to sound bad on Marquecas, but but shifting Marquecas to a fourth outfielder role also fills the left-handed bat off your bench, which Atlanta didn't have, which was the Matt Joyce role from a season ago. Now you slide Marquecas into that role as the guy who can occasionally give some rest. You've got Duvall, who, if he makes the squad, isn't making a lot of money, but his contract is non-guaranteed. So even if the Braves decide that they want to go a different direction on their 26 man, it's not going to hurt them. If they want to keep Duvall perfectly fine, because you've got some big power off the bench there. You've got Charlie Culberson, Johan Camargo, Austin Riley. All three are going to be competing for playing time as it does look like Johan and Riley are going to be in a platoon at third base. I wonder how that'll shake out. I think that spring training battle is going to be probably the biggest one uh, alongside the fifth starter. I think that third base battle is going to be kind of the biggest one. I think if Austin takes it, takes the reins there and, and just comes out firing in spring training, I think he'd be more likely to uh, get the lion's share of the starts. But Camargo's been working like a madman this offseason, too. Seems to have really taken last season's struggles to heart and doesn't want to go through that again. So I'm excited to see what those two can put up. This spring training is just going to be fun. I don't see a lot of holes left with this team. Would I like to have an, another really good bat? Yeah, I would. Uh, I don't think it's a necessity. I think when you look at this team as currently constructed as compared to their 2019 counterpart, this Braves team is a better team. They're not as they're not quite as good offensively just because Donaldson is better than Marcelo Zuna offensively. But when you talk about building up the bullpen the way they did and and another year for the starting rotation, you add in Cole Hamels, this is a better team. This is a team that looks more solid. This is a team that you should be able to to rely on a little bit more game in and game out than some of the teams uh, that you saw last season. I agree. They are definitely a better team. Like I said, they're they're deeper. They did they did so much work in the bullpen. <clears throat> they immediately went and addressed the catcher situation. They got somebody that they really like. They got a absolutely solid <clears throat> left fielder. Excuse me. I am just dying over here. I got something in my throat. And 
this team was able to win a lot of games last year by being kind of patched together in a lot of places. The opening day bullpen last year was overturned basically immediately. And now you start seeing the guy that was the closer for a good couple of months is now going to be like a sixth inning guy. So, you know, having Smith and Melanson and Green, whenever he gets his arbitration stuff figured out, Martin's back, O'Day's back. I mean, a lot of the headaches that came from watching A.J. Minter over-rely on his cutter or Chad Sabatia not be able to hit the broadside of a barn or Jesse Biddle, just that poor dude, you know, there's still going to be some of that here and there just because that's baseball and that's how it goes. But, I mean, the capacity for that has been greatly reduced. The bench is going to be a lot better. I think you're right about the starters taking that that big step. And Ozuna's not Donaldson. But the swag quotient of this team is is just going up and up and up. You know, like if Donaldson was the bringer of rain, then Ozuna's the bringer of chains, right? Like he, he, is, he is a totally different type of guy, but he's not that... What he will bring is not dissimilar to what Donaldson brought. So all of the younger guys that came through the minors together, they will get another year of just kind of breeding their own form of culture there. And it's there's something special going on in Atlanta regardless. And now they've swapped out who the veteran leadership is. Like Julio's gone, but Cole Hamels is going to be in here now. And Felix Hernandez, maybe, might be a, a factor in there somehow. That's like a, That's a really interesting and intriguing cool signing that happened this week so yeah I think they're absolutely better and I think that any type of natural progression from the guys that were already great last year like Acuna, Ozzy, Soroka, Freed, any of those guys oh this I'm trying to not get too excited I know I've got like the the post signing buzz and I'm I'm just you know it's I'm in a very happy place with this team right now I I really really like this move. I try and stay somewhat somewhat neutral, but man, it's it's hard to it's hard to not be excited by this. Right? It it really is. And if you look at Marcelo Zuna, he kind of reminds me of Yuenes Cespedes as a guy who's got big time power and velocity in his bat and he has game changing acumen for his bat. He's a fun guy to be around. He's also going to commit his fair share of boneheaded defensive plays, which is also reminiscent of Cespedes. He just doesn't have the arm of Cespedes. By the way, that's another name that I would watch come the trade deadline since he's only making like $6 million. If he somehow manages to stay healthy and the Mets are out of it, uh, I think there are a few teams that would be looking for his services because there are a few players who've got a better bat than Yuena Cespedes. Um, but just talking about this Braves team, I think the Cole Hamill signing becomes even more imperative right now and it, it's a bigger deal because one of the things that I talk about with Josh Donaldson isn't just the numbers. The, those numbers can be replaced. Um, I don't want to say easily, but it, it's not the hardest thing in the world to replace the numbers that he brought forth last year. Now, I know he hit almost 40 home runs, but I mean, Ozuna hit 30 in 130 games. Just if he plays 155, you're looking at a guy that's going to hit probably 34 to 36, which is going to be right around where Donaldson was at. But the bigger impact was Donaldson's effect on the clubhouse, the quiet confidence of we're going to win because I'm better and I'm going to drag you with me game in and game out. It gave them kind of an even keel that the Braves haven't had. And you, we can talk about Marcakis being an even keeled guy, but it's a different sort of even keel. Donaldson is that quiet presence of I know I'm the best player on this field as soon as I get to the ballpark. Cole Hamels has a lot of that as well. Cole Hamels does not brook a lot of nonsense. He's there to win, and there are a few things Cole Hamels likes to do more than win. Uh, I, I think Cole Hamels is a brilliant addition to this clubhouse. I think Ozuna, as long, if you talk to any teammates, Ozuna is, well, is really well-loved by his teammates. Uh, some people can get a little bit tired of him. when He does have a tendency to mope when things aren't going well, but, I mean, so does Freddie Freeman. So does everybody on this Braves team a year ago look no further than game five of the playoffs last season where it looked like nobody could be bothered to look up from the dugout ground, the dugout floor. I think those I, might really, kind of be special circumstances. That that was that was a bad time for everybody. I couldn't look was, up from the dugout, dugout floor either. That was something, and I, I, I use that example because it's the most obvious and it's the most recent, but that is something that I noticed with particularly Freddie Freeman, and I'm not trying to hate on Freddie, but when I talk about Freddie being more of a complimentary leader, Freddie's the guy that you want when everything's going good because he keeps everybody loose, everybody loves him, but when things aren't going well, Freddie kind of retreats into his shell a little bit, 
And that's something that Freddy's just got to grow into. Some guys just are built differently. I don't think that means that Freddy's not, you know, a great player or a guy that can lead a team. I just, I, he, he's not that alpha mentality that you talk about with like a Chipper Jones or a Josh Donaldson. I think that's a better term. Cole Hamels is an alpha personality. He's not going to brook any nonsense. He's going to tell you what needs to be done. He's going to show you what needs to be done. Uh, and I, I think that's good for the Braves. And I think that's good for a team that has a lot of young players. Young players are particularly impressionable. And they're particularly up and down when it comes to performance. That's why you always talk about having to have a good veteran presence around a team full of young players to keep them on an even keel, not riding too high or too low. And this Braves team last year was a master at riding momentum. I think this year they're going to be even better at it because when things go south, and they will as it always does, they've got enough presences around them and they've got enough experience in some of these big-time guys to know to just power through and it will work itself out. And just because you don't have a guy in the clubhouse doesn't mean his, his impact isn't still felt. You know, Dansby Swanson spent an entire year playing next to Josh Donaldson. That's not just going to just go away because he's not playing next to him anymore. And and that goes for any of these guys. So when you're impart, you know, Donaldson imparted a year's worth of wisdom and now Ozuna gets to come in and, and do his thing and Hamels gets to do his thing too. I mean, it just continues to build, which which is why you need to build a positive clubhouse environment because, you know, if if these things are going to stack up, then you certainly want them all to be positive. So I not only do I think the team is better, like I know I know the Nationals won the World Series. OK, and and it really, really sucks watching a team from your division go win the World Series. But considering what the Braves have done to armor themselves for defending the division title, at least, and the fact that the Nationals lost Rendon. I know Strasburg is coming back and they, they made some some sneaky good pickups there. I mean some some of the moves that they made could be pretty good, but I mean I still think the Braves are the team to beat in this division. I don't think the Mets have done enough. I think the Phillies are gonna be a lot better than they were last year. And the Marlins, well, they'll be better than people are thinking, but they're still they're still a non factor. So <clears throat> I don't know about you, but for me, the Braves are they might have already been the team to beat with Rendon having left, and now that they've got Ozuna, to me, that's it's pretty clear. But I would be curious to know if you think they still need to do something else to round that out. Now, see, I think the Braves, I agree that the Braves are, are on paper the best team in this division. I mean, they were last year, too. That kind of just goes to show you that last year wasn't so much uh, that there was a better team than them. It just kind of goes to throw another thumb in your eye of the Braves choking away what really should have been their easiest chance at a World Series that they've had in a long time. Uh, they shouldn't have had any problems with that Cardinals team. They didn't have any problems with that Nationals team, even with Anthony Rendon all season long. And for the Nationals, they have made some sneaky moves, but there's no doubt in my mind that they're a worse team this year than they were last year. Without Rendon's bat in that lineup, that is not a very imposing lineup. Yes, they still have Juan Soto. Yes, Victor Robles is a year older. Yes, Trey Turner is healthy this year. But where else are you looking at for, for offense from that team? They're not a team that's going to strike fear. You think Carter Keeboom's going to all of a sudden hit 40 homers and, and pick up the Anthony Rendon slack? That's a massive, massive downgrade. And they still have pitching. I mean, obviously, they've still got the big three that they had last year. And Strasburg took giant leaps forward. Scherzer, you got to imagine, is going to be better now that he's probably healthy again. Patrick Corbin has a year in the system. But when you're looking around the NL East, the Mets have some intriguing names. And boy, do I really want them to stop being stupid and trade Conforto to the Braves. Um, but they they are stupid, so it's not going to happen. They've got some pieces like Conforto, uh, they've got Jake Marisnik, so they finally have an actual center fielder, so Nimmo and Conforto can play the corners like they should have been all along. They still have DeGrom, they still have, you know, Syndergaard and Stroman. They've got pitching, but they're kind of a disjointed team that is still horrific defensively. You don't know if Jed Lowry can actually use the right side of his body right now or not, and it's because it's on the Mets. Somebody's going to come down with like dengue fever, just something, something that people haven't had to deal with and you know, 800 years, somebody on the Mets is going to catch it and, and have to deal with it. Uh, I think the team to watch, honestly, is the team that I thought was to watch last year, and that's the Phillies. I mean, we make fun of the Phillies a lot, and a lot of people on Braves Twitter make fun of the Phillies. 
because of all the money that they spent and where they ended up in the division last year. That's completely ignoring some very key things, such as the Phillies were wrecked with injuries last year. And I'm not going to feel bad for them. That's a you problem. That's not my problem. But that is something to bear in mind when you're talking about Andrew McCut- when Andrew McCutcheon was on the field, that team was immeasurably better because they had somebody who could actually play out there in the outfield and could play center field. And Bryce didn't have to worry about playing center. He could play right there in right field and put up 4.6 war, which was a very, very good season for the $11 million he was paid. Uh, you, you had Scott Kingery really break out. Now they've ditched uh, Michael Franco. They've added in D.D. Gregorius so Gene Segura can go play second base. They've got a ton of talent on that team, and then they go out and they add Zach Wheeler to that rotation. They get a lot of their bullpen pieces back that were hurt last year, specifically David Robertson. That Phillies team is one that I'm going to watch, and I think it was addition by subtraction just getting rid of Gabe Kapler. That's a team that I'm. That's a team that I'm going to have a very nervous eye on. So while I don't, I I think the Braves are better than they were a season ago, and I still think they're the best team in the division. That Phillies team is not one to overlook. Agreed. Yeah they they've done they've done a couple a couple things recently. They signed uh, Braves legend Bud Norris. Don't know if you saw that. Uh, they also signed Neil Walker, and you know the McCutcheon thing. You bring up a really good point about him. He was. His injury was the exact point where their season kind of went in the tank. You know, and they, there were certain points when it's like, okay, it's Andrew Ramos and uh, Tommy Hunter and Pat Neshek, and like literally every single reliever in the Phillies bullpen got injured at, at the same time. I've never seen anything like it. It was very Mets like. Um, you know, they're always just this close to a dysentery outbreak. So, you know, once McCutcheon is back, and yeah, the Gregorius thing, he is not dissimilar to Ozuna, because what did he sign for? One and 15? So, I wanted to say one and 13, but it's one of those two. Yeah, it was like a, it's a pillow contract, it's a prove-it deal. So, much like Grandal, much like Donaldson, much like Ozuna now, Gregorius is in that hungry, I need to get paid stage. And we saw what Didi can be when he's playing in a small bar, ballpark, when he was still with the Yankees. So that could be dangerous, like you said, addition by subtraction with Gabe Kapler, also with Michael Franco and Odubel Herrera, and adding in Joe Girardi. I mean, that's, on paper, like, that's a much scarier team than the one that went 81-81 and 81 last year. So biggest knock on them was the starting pitching as well, as far as stuff they could control that's not necessarily injury-related. I mean, they had Aaron Nola and, and then what? That's it. Right, exactly. exactly. Aaron, Nola, Aaron Nola was not Aaron Nola last season, uh, but you bring in a guy in Zach Wheeler who actually kind of profiles pretty similarly to Nola. He hasn't had, he didn't have the luck that Nola had a couple seasons ago when Nola put up like an ace type season. But pairing up Nola and Wheeler and letting Arietta go down to the three or the four or whatever, wherever he deigns to go, they still they still need a better. They still need a better pitcher in there to kind of stack up with the Braves uh, and especially the Mets and, and the Nationals. But having those two guys does make them a whole lot more stable up front. And their defense, even though their defense is nothing special, their infield defense is not special at all. Uh, moving Segura over to second helps a ton. Having Didi playing short helps a ton. I don't know who's playing third for them. Um I, I don't know if it's just somebody that I'm randomly not thinking of, but I, I don't know if it's going to be Scott Kingery or, or if, he, if Kingery's going to play center field or whatever. But it, it's it's not a team that I look forward to facing 19 times. They don't necessarily have a lot of the brand names aside from Harper and Real Muto, but those two guys are enough, and Real Muto looking to get a big-time deal this is this can be a very scary Phillies team, and I, I would watch them a lot. I think that's going to be the the team that the Braves uh, end up coming down to the wire with the division. But the Braves, just because they've made these moves now, they're sitting at around $150 million payroll, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're done making moves. That's the thing with this Ozuna deal at $18 million. There's nothing to say that they're done. There are still moves that they could make. And you and I were talking about it pre-show. We might have even mentioned it on this show. I'm kind of spacing today. Um, th- there's still some guys that are kind of low money that are going to cost prospects, but don't cost a lot of money onto this payroll to where you could still sit at around $155 million payroll, and you could go out there and get a 
fully top of the rotation arm. Somebody like a Mike Clevenger. And this is the guy I'm going to keep going back to Mike Clevenger for a while because it just makes too much sense. The Indians are in the Indians, even if they keep Clevenger, there's a very real and significant possibility that they end up third in that division. The White Sox, we talked about it last week. The White Sox very well could surpass them this year. They're not better than the Twins anyway. Uh, This could be the time for the Indians to kind of rebuild and and retool with a bunch of prospects. And the Braves, we can talk all we want about how much we love depth. The Braves have to make room for some of these pitching prospects because there's, and I, I harp on this all the time because it's, it's, it's true whether we want to admit it's true or not. The Braves are at a point now where they're not going to be able to progress guys, where guys aren't going to be able to progress their skills because there's no spot for them to move up. So the Braves are going to have to create some space for some of these guys. They're going to have to deal some of these guys. And it's going to hurt when it happens, but if you can bring in a guy like Mike Clevenger to anchor this rotation, then you you do that, and I'm going to say the Braves are the World Series favorite in the National League. Yeah, I mean, $4.5 million is not much for a guy um, that can do what Clevenger can do. And, I mean, the Indians traded Bauer when they were in a pennant race. You know, they did it so they could get some major league pieces and they could they could kind of shift there. But, you know, and they're not... Every, everybody always talks about Tampa and Oakland as being, like, the, the super cheap teams, which is not untrue, but Cleveland really isn't that far out. I mean, there's reasons why they have to operate the way they do. There's reasons why they're looking at trading Francisco Lindor. Whether they do it or not, I mean, it's, it's definitely on the radar because they have to look at stuff like that. So trading a guy like Clevenger when you know that you're not going to necessarily be the division favorite. I mean, Cleveland's had their time. They had their window. They just they haven't been able to to get over that hump. And their farm system isn't really in a position to where they're going to be able to to leapfrog the White Sox because the White Sox are going to be pretty lethal for about the next six or seven years. So they've got to be smart about it. And Braves opening day payroll last year was $114 million, And this year it's already at $145. So we begged for something like this to happen. They increased it $31 million. That's 27% over last year. That is... I don't want to say it's unheard of because I, I don't have the type of numbers to substantiate that, but let's just say it's significant, okay? That is a big deal. So as soon as the Ozuna thing happened, I'm like, that's it. That's got to be the last move, right? But I just can't reconcile in my brain that they would be done. It does feel like there's something else. to Even, even knowing that I, I, I still I don't think it's going to happen, but it, like it feels... It almost kind of feels like it's going to. And never trust your gut when it comes to the Braves' front office because you have no idea what they're going to do. Did we think they were going to sign Ozuna? Yeah, well, maybe. To 1-18? Not a chance. You know, they've got something up their sleeve all the time. So the same thing with Clevenger as it pertains to John Gray in terms of, like, you, it's a guy you could get for a couple years. You, could get, you would get Clevenger for three. You get Gray for two. Low salary, Gray's going to make $5.6 million this year. The problem there, I think, would be that Colorado they've got to figure out what they're doing with Arenado before they can even start thinking about Gray. Because if you trade Gray and you don't trade Arenado, how do you justify that? You know, like he might, he might, he might actually burn the clubhouse to the ground. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a like a holdout type situation. Like Arenado is not the type of guy to go in there just rocking the boat just because he feels like it would be awesome. But like, he's been real clear about how bad things are. And it hasn't even been a year since he signed that extension. Anyways. No, and it's because when he signed that, he wanted them to commit to to building a playoff roster around him, and uh, all he sees is them selling off pieces, which is not what he was looking for. Right. So if you trade Gray, then at that point you're you're going like full Nolan Arenado, Arenado mutiny. So, and I don't think that they're going to wind up doing that. So Clevenger. Those two guys, Clevenger and Gray, are like at the top of that wish list because they fit in that same category, and. Outside of that, I mean, I know that I've seen people talking about they still want the Braves to go over, go after Arenado or go after Bryant. Maybe for Bryant, like, if you really aren't comfortable with Camargo or Riley, like, you, that becomes much more palatable to me when you've got Ozuna in there and you've got your big top four, right? 
because you never know when you're going to get lightning in a bottle and Camargo is going to rediscover the 2018 thing. But if you really don't think that that's going to happen and you really think Riley's going to strike out in 44% of his, his at-bats or whatever, then you, maybe you talk to the Cubs and you try and include Ender to kind of clear some of the outfield logjam and offset some of the money because then you'd only be taking on $11 million if there was like a Bryant for Enziarte. I think maybe, maybe. I could see that maybe. But even still, at this point, even if they don't even make any depth moves, $145 million payroll is just outside the top 10 for a team that was deemed as stingy and penny-pinching for years, whether warranted or not. This is just so nice to see. And because they've they've got Ozuna and Hamels on a one-year $18 million deals, because Mark Melanson is making $14 million this year and then he's gone, and Shane Green is going to make $7 million next year and then he's gone, they have got $66 million coming off of the payroll for next year. So, not to say that they're going to go out and sign Mookie Betts, but in theory, they could, if they really, really wanted to. So, I don't know. It's a strange operating model. It's a really, really strange operating model, what they have going on right now. But it, it's if it works, if it works, it works. I mean, and, and there's a lot to go on with this team. And you mentioned the $66 million coming off the books. I think another point to bring up in this is what to expect just from this year. And we'll get into that a little bit in the second portion of the show. Um, but this particular iteration of the Braves team, I don't know that there's necessarily a hole. Now, you can say that maybe, maybe you'd like another bat to lengthen the lineup, but I think you're going to get natural progression from Dansby for as long as he stays healthy. Darno over McCann is going to be a huge help. And Darno being able to bat fifth or sixth is a light year's better option than having to rely on him batting fourth. Marquegas coming off the bench gives you somebody that you can use who you can be reasonably sure will at least make contact and who can still rake against righties at a good clip. You've got whether it's Duvall on the bench to hit lefties. There, there's a lot that can be, there's a lot that this bench can do that the benches of the last couple years really have not been able to accomplish. Uh, th- this is this is setting up very nicely for the Braves in 2020 in a year where, Doc, I think you and I would both agree, they have to, have to, have to win a postseason series. Like They cannot have another first round and done. It's completely imperative. And and this isn't to say that, that next year, you know, in, t- in 2021, that they couldn't break the curse that year. But, man, th- this is like, it's, this year really stung. The 2019 season was so magical in so many different ways, it deserved a better ending than it got. And everybody in the front office knows it. You can tell by the way that they have attacked this entire offseason. They are not screwing around. There's no tiptoeing. They know that they've got to win. And that, and I think that <clears throat> the way that the series ended was so completely eye-opening, you know? So I, I think, believe it or not, that might have been the best thing that could have happened. And, and we talked about this going into the offseason, about how we really hope that this would spur them to make some moves and really like not just sit complacent and do something that's just, you know, that's good enough. No, we need to do something that is great. And the sum of what they've done this offseason, to me, is great. And I, I think that this is a team, on paper, because you still got to play 162, this is a team that is good enough to make, make a deep run. And that's without seeing any of the chemistry the, of these guys being together and like... Cause, team has so much fun you know and it's just there's something special there's something really really special about this whole thing it it does it does feel very significant to me so uh not only do i think that they know that they need to win a postseason series i think this is the year i think this is finally the year it happens uh and (laughs) i i keep telling myself that i'm not going to predict them to win a series until they do, but I keep getting sucked back in and I'm fighting so hard. I'm fighting I'm fighting the good fight to try to make sure that they don't because there's no doubt in my mind that this Braves team is is better than they were last year. And there's no doubt in my mind that they're the best team this year. And coming up after the break, we've got some very professional guys who do this for a living that have said basically the same things. So when we take when we come back from break, we're gonna take a look and let you guys know some projections for next season that are on the conservative side. And are going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. We're going to get to that next coming up on the Platinum Sombrero. You got to keep them separated.
Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that small break. We have a lot to get to and not a lot of time to do it, so let's just dive right in. Before the break, I told you it's not just us that thinks the Braves are the best team in the division. You don't have to just take Doc and my word for it. There, there are some guys out there who have invented full-on projection systems, such as Dan Simborski and his zip system. Now, Doc, you actually spoke to Dan today uh, to get a little bit of clarity on some of these numbers and, I believe, to to figure out what Marcelo Zunas would be. You've got the zip sheet pulled up in front of you. Looking at the Braves, I, and I was looking at it earlier, it looks really solid and really uniform, and it almost looks like he graded at the lowest possible end because there's some numbers there that I think are very low, and the Braves still look like the best team in the division. Yeah, for any of these projection systems, whether it winds up being like a steamer or zips or, or any of the ones like that, I mean, you're going to wind up getting something that kind of comes on the conservative side there. Um, just erring on the side of caution because, you know, you can't project something like injury or something like that. But looking at the Braves next year, at least as far as the lineup goes, like like let's talk about the offense first, and then we can we can move on to the pitching there. Um, you're still looking at having your big four situated at the top. Ozzy Albies is actually projected to have a higher wins above replacement than Ronald Acuna next year, which is interesting. Okay, it's not it's not a huge discrepancy. Ozzy's looking at five point three WAR, and Acuna's looking at five point one. He is projected at 4.2 of that war in right field. Now, this some of this assumes that he's going to wind up playing some center field, and he is not as valuable playing center field as he is playing right. So that is what part of that comes from. Also, uh, Ozzy is a better defender, and I think that he's going to wind up getting a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of show up, uh, show up his his defense. They um, projection systems love up the middle guys, and Ozzy's a second baseman, so he obviously falls under that. Um, Freddie Freeman, just before, uh, just after those two, he's projected at 4.6 F4 next year. Um, but it also, it's going to have trouble projecting something like recovering from elbow surgery. So that is still kind of up in the air a little bit. Um, it still actually had Josh Donaldson in here because at the time that move had not officially been announced by the Twins yet. It was announced today and the Braves have Ozuna to take his place. Now, Donaldson is projected at 3.9 war next year, which is one war less than he was worth in 2019. And Ozuna is projected through zips at 2.8. So he is going to be a little bit of a step down there. Um, But for Ozuna, he's looking at a 281 batting average, 346 on base, 504 slugging, 23 doubles, 26 home runs, 94 uh, RBI. 119 OPS plus, and it has him grading out positively on defense. Now, that is a little bit conservative, and Steamer, which is a different projection system, it actually has him playing a lot more. Uh, Zips has him at 470 at-bats, 46 walks, so 516 plate appearances. Uh, Steamer's got him looking at, uh, quick number crunch, 632 plate appearances next year. So the counting stats are going to be higher. Uh, It's got him at 33 home runs, 102 RBI. Uh, But the slash line is pretty similar. 276 batting average, 344 on base, and 501 slugging. Any way you cut it, that is an absolutely solid replacement. It is not going to be the same. But uh, certain guys like Camargo and Riley, who everybody's going to be paying really close attention to this year coming up, uh, they are projected at... Let me pull this tab up. uh, Riley is projected at 1.9. F4 and Camargo is 1.5. So if you're looking at some type of platoon there, you're still getting 3.4 F4 on the conservative side versus the 3.9 Donaldson is projected at. Will it actually shake out like that? We won't know. We will not know that for a very long time. But it's got to be kind of inspiring. It's it's counting on a bit of a return to form for Camargo and somewhat for Riley too. So he's not just going to be the... It's not going to be both of the bad versions of these guys for next year. So when you're looking at that, Dansby's projected just below 2 F-War. Uh, Ender's projected for 2.1 war. Uh, Travis Darno, who's going to be replacing McCann, is at 1.1, and Flowers is at 1.2. So everywhere you look, you know, there's there's decent value everywhere, and it, this being on the conservative side, this this is a really, really good-looking start for an offense. Do you have anything in here that uh, really stands out for you? 
Oh, I think that's really low on Ronald Acuna. I, I, I don't, I don't see Acuna being worse than he was a season ago. And last season, Acuna put up what five point seven, five point six, or five point seven. I think he was hovered right around five. Uh, I think it was more than that. I know he had the most F four on the team. I, I do believe it was. I do believe it was 5.6 last year. I'm about to pull it up just to verify it here. And if you're telling me that he's going to be... Yeah, 5.6 last season for Ronald Was Acuna. it 5.6? Okay. 5.6, and, and that was playing a lot of the season in center field where he didn't grade out great. He didn't grade out horribly, but he didn't grade out nearly as well as he did right field. Knowing he's going to play more right field this season and less center field, I think that I think that Ronald Acuna, quite honestly, and this is this seems crazy for me to just predict this, I think you're looking at six and a half war minimum. I can see it as high as eight this year if he really plays. If he plays all season in right field and plays maybe 20 games in center, doesn't play much center field at all, you could see as high as seven and a half, eight war. This is a guy that could conceivably go 40 40 this year, or it's a guy who's always going to hit a ton of homers. And quite honestly, there's, there's still stuff for Acuna to improve upon. Like this could be an almost trout level season for him. It could, and and even with it being conservative, it's projecting him for thirty nine home runs and thirty five stolen bases. I mean, it's basically, it's still pretty much projecting him to go forty forty. You know, and for for a guy that's still just twenty two, I mean, this this year is going to be huge for him because all of those comps talking about you know he's the next Roberto Clemente or he's the next Mike Trout pickers generation, whatever. I mean, I would say Roberto Clemente. I mean, that's. That's pretty impressive track to be on. You oh, know? Roberto and, Clemente with more power, yeah, and and a worse arm, but uh, but Not still much worse. Not much worse. No, I mean it's he he does have an impressive arm. Clemente had a freaking cannon, but still, yeah. even when you're looking at it, and this has has Acuna projected as a left fielder, and this this signing yesterday, like these numbers were crunched long before. Like I said, Donaldson's still in here, so. Things will change. I think you're right. I think that if he spends most of his time in right field, which is going to kind of depend on the number of lefties that the Braves wind up seeing, because that would put Duvall in the lineup and uh, in place of Enciarte, which would move Acuna over, over to center. But there, as we've discussed before, there aren't a ton of lefties. So um, you, will, you will see Acuna mainly in right. You started to see uh, last year after Ender came back and he shifted over to right field. Um the value in his arm over there and you're going to get more value out of him in a corner. So just because this has him projected to be slightly less valuable than Ozzy. I mean, let's also look at the fact that, uh, through let's, this point in his let's career, talk about Ozzie's, that for Ozzy, that Ozzy's going to be projected to be one of the premier second basemen. He's basically going to take on the Jose Altuve role. By the way, one more thing on Ronald Acuna doc. Are you aware that Acuna is going to hit as long as he stays healthy? He's going to get his hundredth home run next year. God, already <laughs> he's thirty-three homers away. He's got sixty-seven home runs in his career. He is thirty-three away. Yeah, he stays healthy. That's absolutely doable. That's insane. At this point of his career, uh, Acuna's number one comparison is Frank Robinson, and the comparison for Ozzy Aldi's is Adrian Beltre. Which I mean, this is so nuts. Acuna's gonna have a hundred homers before he turns twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's elite, man. He's amazing. He's wonderful. This is why we love him. I mean, Acuna, and, and that's not even to mention Ozzy, who, by the way, Mike Petriello and his, uh, his uh, he was talking today on uh, on Twitter. His the new outs above average that they've got for baseball savant for the infielders. It's really not very high on Ozzy Albies. It doesn't have him graded nearly as high as DRS and UZR would, would have him graded. I'm not sure where the disconnect is between the two, because that's, that's the same thing that's been going on with Marcelo Zuna. Um, I'm not sure which one to believe. I think at this point, I'm going to kind of believe the one that tells me what I want to hear quite honestly, there you go. Yeah. because I don't know which of the two is correct because the, the disparity is so large that they can't both be correct. So I, I don't know which one it is. I don't, I don't know. But uh, from what I have seen of Ozzy, he is an impeccable defender. Uh, he's, he's taken monumental steps offensively, particularly with his, with his willingness to take walks last season, and that that was the next evolution for his game. And if you look at him versus uh, was it as a right-handed hitter, where he was just basically he was Mike Trout levels of good as a righty. 
And when he flipped around to the other side of the plate, there's still work to do there. But if he can even get those sides just a little closer together, it's not out of the realm that Ozzy ends up putting up six more seasons. You're talking about a second baseman who is a plus defender, who's fast. He doesn't steal a lot of bases, even though he's fast. So that's something he can work on. But he's a guy that's got 25 homer power. He's going to be hitting with Ronald Acuna in scoring position an absolute ton. I mean, we could be seeing two guys on the same team who are six-word type of players. I think that Ozzy's number is pretty right, though. I would project Ozzy at about five to five and a half. I'd, I'd say that's that's probably right there in the sweet spot for him because this will be this will be his third full year. He answered a ton of questions last year, so I think it's probably. Let's see, what has it got him here? Twenty-seven home runs, forty-one doubles. Uh, hitting 290. Hold on. I've got so many tabs open right now. Goodness gracious. It's projecting a slash line of 293, 345, and 514. So uh, OPS plus of 121, uh, 21% above league average there, grading out positively on defense. And I mean, franchise cornerstone for any other team. He would be like the marquee number one guy. He just happens to be on a team with Ronald Acuna. And that's not to mention Dansby Swanson, who just going by his batted ball data, a lot of people are expecting a breakout for him. I mean, <laughs> Zips is very kind of... Do you, can you pull up real quickly? I do want to see what they've got the Phillies at. That's I think that's who I want to compare to, the Phillies and the Nationals. Let's see. You know, I'm in the I'm in the dead zone of internet in this room, so maybe by the start of next week episode, I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll have those pulled up for you. Uh, let's see here. Um, I don't know if they have done the ones for the Phillies this year. Let's see if they've done the ones for the Nationals. Let's see. I I'm just gonna imagine that the Braves are are higher because. I don't see the same collection of players when you're talking about Freddie Freeman is going to be anywhere from four war to five war. You've got Darno who's going to be an upgrade over what McCann was. The, this Braves team, there's no doubt that it's better. And it's not even just these while you're looking at the zips. There's there's more coming in this spring training. We're about to see this spring training in particular. We're going to be flooded with a lot of these guys that we've been hearing about for like two, three years. We're finally going to get a taste of spring training, talking about a lot of these non-roster invitees. Guys like, by the way, Bryce Ball, who you're definitely going to hear us talk about this year. Uh, just got drafted last year. He's already a non-roster invitee to spring training, so we're going to get to see that mammoth of a man just belt homers. You've got Christian Pache, Drew Waters. I believe Jaseel De La Cruz is a non-roster invitee as well. They're, Ian Anderson is going to get some time in spring training. Kyle Muller as well. Tucker Davidson. This is kind of like the crescendo for spring training for a lot of us Braves fans who have really gotten into the prospect side of things. You're going to see these guys facing big league hitters. Now, it's going to be spring training, not the regular season. It's still ultimately exhibition. But this is going to be your first look at these guys against real major league competition. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just a nerd, but it's got me super excited just for spring training. No doubt. I mean, first off, it starts three weeks from today. This episode is going to come out on Friday, and that number will be down to 19. So this is right around the corner. And for the rebuild, when we had nothing but prospects, and now you're starting to see the NRIs where it's Kyle Muller. And, you know, I remember I remember when Kurt Hoekstra was a second baseman out of Western Michigan, and now he's an NRI as a right-handed pitcher for big league spring spring training. I mean, stuff like that, that's just super cool. Like, that's off the beaten path of the stories about, like, Ian Anderson and and all the, the big-name guys. I mean, there's some really, really cool stuff for that right there. And I am very curious to see uh, what happens when Bryce Ball shows up to big league camp. I'm not quite as bullish on Bryce Ball as some people, just because I'm curious about the level of competition, because he was kind of old for the level. Uh, By the way, I should mention no Jaseel De La Cruz. Well, he's on the 40, so he he's not an NRI, but he will be there. And same thing for uh, for anybody who was wondering when the Braves released their, uh, they put out the press release for who the non-roster invitees are. Anybody who's on the 40, man, already gets invited. So uh, William Contreras is, was Langale not on the list You're going to get to see Langoliers up there as well. You're, I'm just going to run down some of the names for you guys real quick. Doc, you tell me which of these stands out to you the most when I get to them. 
Ian Anderson. Thomas Bur- <laughs> Thomas Burrows. Felix oh Hernandez. Kurt Hoekstra as a reliever who throws 95 now somehow. Connor Johnstone, another big-armed guy. Kyle Muller. Chris Nunn, 100-mile-an-hour guy. Ben Rowan. Chris Rusin, who the Braves just recently acquired, who... Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Rusin have like a year or two where he was absolutely just filthy not too long ago? I think that's right. This could be one of those like uh, Shane Carl type of gambles. And that's just the pitching. You get to the catchers and you're looking at Shea Langoliers, Carlos Martinez, and Jonathan Morales. Obviously, Langoliers is the name there. Uh, a season after being drafted. Infielders, you got Bryce Ball, Culberson, Sean Kazmar, who... The world can burn in an intensely hot fire, an explosion from the sun, and Sean Kazmar will still play 160 games or 100, however many games are across the minor leagues. He'll he'll play 130 games across the minor leagues for the Braves at 57 years old. He's just he's never going to go away. Pete Cosma, who I wish we didn't have him. Jack Lopez, I didn't even realize that Peter O'Brien was a member of the Braves, but that's a dude with a ton of power. Braden Shoemake, which is, again, another guy drafted last season. Jan Hervis Salarte, who they just signed. Riley Unroe. They got Trey Harris, who has been just absolutely obliterating baseballs in his short time from being drafted. Grayson Janista. Rafael Ortega. Shane Robinson, who I'm not sure what a Shane Robinson is. But Drew Waters as well. That's just the NRIs. I know. The, this, this spring training, like, it's going to have a lot of stuff to pay attention to. So, um... The Pete O'Brien thing, yeah, I I did not realize that he finally made his way here. He's pulling an Edwin Jackson. He's trying to play for literally every single team, and I think that he's at about half the league, uh, if you count his minor league stints, because, God, he was with the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, the Royals. He spent some time with the Marlins. I know the, uh, there were, like, six or seven teams over the course of, like, two years. Dude, he's 30 he's years old already. I, I remember when he just came up. I know. Man, I'm I know. getting old. I, I know. I was going to say, you know who you sound like? You sound like me. You're reminiscing for the good old days back when Peter O'Brien was still a prospect. I, I remember when he was a high-end prospect. Mm-hmm. And he even back then, he was striking out in 40% of his plate appearances. Uh, Yeah, in his big league time, which wasn't a lot, he literally struck out 40% of his time. Yeah, Over his so, career, he's got 36.5 strikeouts. Like He's that's a long shot. 36.5%. Yeah. Now, he's just a guy that if he gets a hold of him, hits it a long way, and quite frankly, has beautiful eyes, but... That might be the only reason he's been brought in. It's like the first time I listened to the Beatles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you never know. He could he could finally figure it out at uh, at age thirty. Hey, but, it's happened. Nelson Cruz didn't really get kickstarted till he was like twenty nine. No, that's that's true. But uh, how would you feel about getting back to those zips projections this time for the pitchers? <laughs> oh man, I, I I can't wait. Let me know how these pitchers are supposed to do because I'm assuming I'm assuming the Brave bullpen is going to be projected to be one of the stronger bullpens, not just in the National League, but in Major League Baseball. Period. You know, it's and this is where it gets kind of weird at the fact that I'm not seeing like the the side by side comparisons because they're they're rolling them out little by little. It look, doesn't look like they've done anything for the Nationals as well. But when they do, we will stack these up on our own. And when we do our official NL East preview, as opposed to the informal one we did in the first first part, then um, we'll stack all of that up and we'll we'll crunch the numbers and we'll have a nice handy little formula for everybody. But as it stands for now. The main thing that stands out to me when I'm looking at at the rotation for next year is you've got projections for four different guys to be over above two and a half war, um, or right at it. You've got Fulty at 2.4, so he's just a hair below. Hamels at 2.5, Freed at 3.2, and Soroka at 4.3. Um, that is excellent. This this is also projecting uh, Newcomb will spend a decent amount of time in the rotation as well, uh, but also making... Uh, some appearances out of the uh, out of the bullpen. Forty three appearances, nineteen of which being starts. So twenty four appearances out of the bullpen, still coming up to one point six WAR. You still got the possibility for any of those prospects, like Tuki Toussaint or Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson, to step in and contribute there. Felix Hernandez, like we talked about, uh, there's always the possibility that somebody like Tucker Davidson shows up and just blows the doors off. I mean, this is how Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson wound up in the OD rotation. 
last year. So, but that that's really, really solid right there. All of these prospects, I know we've all talked about you eventually, they're going to lose value. You've got to trade them. you got to try and extract some value. Somebody could take the step this year. Soroka took the step last year. Free took the step last year. Fulte took the step the year before that. So there's enough talent in the system to where you can bank on somebody finally taking a step next year. When you're looking at the bullpen, on the other hand, you've got Melanson, Smith, Green, Jackson, Martin, O'Day, Dayton, and Webb. Because Jacob Webb got shut down for most of the the end of last year. He could really contribute in a big way. But as a whole, the bullpen is projected at 4.9 war, which I think is pretty conservative with the 2019 opening day bullpen being projected at 5.1. Somehow... Somehow, the projections found last year's bullpen on opening day to be more favorable than this one, and I guess that's just some type of weird flaw in the system. I I don't even really know what to say about that. No, this is by far better than than what it was a season ago. Uh, there, there's not a part of this bullpen that I don't feel confident or happy about. It's it's going to come down to usage, but I think that this is as snicker proof a bullpen as possible. Uh, and, and it needed to be since you've got the new rules this year where the the loogie and the rugie are basically things of the past. Now you have to face you got the three batter minimum coming in. And all these guys that the Braves have in this bullpen are guys that face, you know, that, that can face their opposite hands. They can face righties and lefties and they can get out of it. Will Smith should be a high leverage chess piece going around to just to face the, the best part of, of of teams lineups not necessarily relegating him to the close because you still have Melanson and Green and, I mean, Jackson. Pretty much every other person in this Braves bullpen has experience, quote-unquote, closing or getting the final out. So you shouldn't have to worry about stuff like that. You can play matchups here and let Will Smith go and basically be the Josh Hader role in your bullpen and just go to take out the, the team's best hitters. I mean, this bullpen... This bullpen seems amazing to me, and quite honestly, I expect a lot from the starting rotation. Uh, I really do think Freed is going to have a, a huge jump this year now that he's got a full season of starting under his belt. I think Soroka is just going to continue getting better. Not, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like the same. He's going to randomly jump up to war. It's just going to be progressing and progressing to the point where Soroka just never gives up a home run again. It's just. These two guys in that starting rotation, I think those two are going to carry the starting rotation. We'll see what happens with the fifth spot. I'm not going to count out Felix Hernandez. I mean, the Braves have a phenomenal track record of taking guys who seem washed up and somehow like turning back the clock, like Anibal Sanchez and Aaron Harang. Uh, I believe Ari Dickey for one of the seasons. There's just they they have this uncanny ability to take guys and change the scenery kind of change the thought process on the pitching itself and getting resurgent years out of them. And I don't know that there would be a better story than if King Felix came here and had an Anibal Sanchez type of season and held down that fifth starter spot. That would be amazing to me. I, I, I that could That would probably end up being my favorite part of the entire season is if Felix is able to come in here and pull an Anibal Sanchez. Well, I mean, he's never been on a team that won anything because the Mariners, God, they haven't won a playoff series in this in twenty years, twenty five years. I mean, it's been forever since the, since they really won anything. So, what the hundred and seven win team, right? Yeah, I mean they they set the record, right? Like they went like a hundred and sixteen and forty six. Yeah, yeah. Or something. they had they've had the best season of all time, and it didn't amount to anything. Right, and that was. That was 2001. That was the year after Griffey and uh, Randy Johnson both left. Strange, strangely enough. Or maybe, so weird. And, uh, and I think A-Rod was gone by that point, too. Um, this is like Brett Boone was carrying the offense. It, Anyways, so Felix Hernandez has never been on a team that even won a playoff series, I don't think. So if he's able to hold down a role, which could be kind of tricky. He, there's not a lot of margin for error there. But he's one of those guys that like everybody's going to be pulling for. As far as active pitchers, I think Verlander has the most innings. Grinky has the second most. And then Hernandez, Felix Hernandez is third and Cole Hamels is fourth, I think. So, you know, there's a lot of mileage on both of those arms, but um, 
you know, Felix that he didn't get included in the in the projections, and you know he he's a non-roster invitee. There's there's no guarantee that he's even going to make the team. But even if he can fit into like a Josh Tomlin role, you know, just to have him there, I mean, the amount of wisdom that he can impart. He was King Felix for a reason. He was like legit icon out there. They loved him. He's going to be the type of guy that if he gets any time on the big league roster. Everybody is going to love Felix Hernandez. He kind of changed the way that we thought about pitching seasons and Cy Youngs. Remember, he won a Cy yep. Young with a losing record, I believe it was. It was. Was it like eleven and nine or nine and eleven? It was, like it was one of those two. And Twelve or something. Yeah, it was one of those like. <clears throat> it paves the way just, for. He was absolutely like, dominant, and it just the Mariners sucked so badly that they couldn't get him wins. If not for that, you probably don't see Jacob Degrom win the Cy Young. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. Like he he paved the way for for guys like Degrom who are amazing in a vacuum, but then they you know there's that whole team aspect and Degrom being a Met, we know all about that. So special guy. Um, God, he rattled off like ten. Ten really, really amazing years out there, and he he had a really precipitous drop off. Like the odds of him becoming Anibal Anibal Sanchez are pretty long, but I I'm here for it. I I would love to see Sean Newcomb get that fifth role. I'd love to see it go to Wright or Wilson. Somebody really step up and establish themselves. But you know what? I just want King Felix to return to form. You know, let him post an eight war season right off into the sunset. I mean, you're talking a, about a guy a that had, you're talking about a guy that had six consecutive seasons. Over five wars a pitcher. I mean, Felix was was just so dominant, and that six point nine war season that he had in two thousand and nine, I believe it was. Nice. Two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. Six point nine in two thousand nine. I mean, it's just uh, that that's that year where he went uh, he went nineteen and five. The two thousand ten where he got the Cy Young went thirteen and twelve, yet was still worth six point seven. And it's just insane the the type of numbers that he was able to put up over the course of his career. And there are there's a lot of mileage on that arm. You're talking about twenty almost twenty eight hundred innings on that arm. Uh, there's no doubt that he has to make a significant change to the type of pitcher he was because he doesn't have the velocity that he used to have. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say King Felix can't do it. I if if Anibal Sanchez can figure out Felix Hernandez can too. And if he doesn't make it, then the good news is that means that somebody else was good enough to take that spot. And as a Braves fan, that means somebody somebody progressed to the point to take it. And if he does get it, it's just another great story on a team that's full of them. Yeah, no doubt. And th- this is the, the type of team that from the outside, if you can get away from some of the social media shenanigans, because I'm sure that other fan bases find it's just horribly annoying. But the team just by itself and not, you know, not including like the fan base or anything like that. This is the type of team that people that aren't huge into baseball, <clears throat> they would look at and go, this is the type of team you want to pull for. You know, it's it's exciting and it's got all the different personalities and it's like it's always it just looks like a movie. Like this whole thing looks like a movie cast with all the the great stories that go along with it. I mean, they're going to do a reboot of Major League and it's going to wind up being like the progression of the the rebuild Braves all the way up through where they are now. So it's, this is great, man. This going coasting into spring training, it has felt like a very even off season. I'm sure that there are some people that would have been even happier if we had wound up locking down Donaldson, but we didn't. And, but there, there's a viable alternative there. And there's somebody that's like really good and has a long track record and is not tied down to horrible money like deep into his, his career and everything. So, I mean, this is this is it. I'm calling it now. World Series Champions 2020. Mark it. I'm ready to run through a brick wall for myself. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. we got three weeks left, and I cannot wait to see what this season has in store. I'm so ready for spring training and everything involved in watching these young guys. I cannot wait to see some of these guys with their first uh, big league action, even if it quote-unquote isn't real big league. I don't care. I, I, I can't wait to see it. Doc, I know you can't either. Tell the listeners out there, I know you guys are just as excited as we are. Take a deep breath. Hold on. Baseball is almost back, everybody. We're about to witness something truly great in Atlanta. I fully believe it. I fully believe that that we're going to start seeing maybe not the 14 straight division championships again because I don't think anybody's ever going to do that again. 
but we're going to see a team reminiscent of the 90s where they're always in contention at least to get to that point. I fully believe it starts right now. I believe the I believe it starts with Acuna, it starts with Albies, and it's just going to keep adding from there. I've got nothing else to say today. Thank you guys for making it through to the end of this show. Hope you guys are just as excited as we are. Can't wait to talk to you guys. Can't wait to get back to you again with our 100th episode spectacular next week. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. Make sure you come back refreshed and ready. Number 100 is going to be something special. Thank you guys so much. And we'll be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thanks, bye.